Well, good morning. It's good to see each of you here out in attendance this morning for our Bible study. Thankful for for that and for the good morning that we've had thus far, singing and praying and uh, getting us off to a good start to our Bible study. This morning as we gather together, just a couple more lessons uh, in this book today and one more and uh, we'll be moving, uh, moving on to another study, um, so that'll be coming uh, soon with a new book and uh, those things, so that's uh, it's been a good study that we've had thus far, but uh, this morning will be no different as well. Uh, with the title of Reminders and Warnings. I was thinking about uh, that topic as I studied and thinking about uh, things today. Reminders are good. Um, we, uh, we have things throughout our life or maybe even our home or houses or um, work or whatever the case may be uh, to remind us, don't we? Uh, we have memorials set up to, to remind us of uh, different things, to make us think, if you will. Uh, our phones... You can set a reminder on your phone that'll help you remember something that's important that you got to do. And you, you take that concept and you apply it into this lesson this morning, reminders and, and warnings. Um, Peter lays, lays some things out that reminds us and warns us too, doesn't he? Um, I think uh, especially spiritually, reminders are good. Uh, we need to be reminded about a lot of things or anything that, you know, that our Lord has done for us, his death, burial, and resurrection, what God has done for us through his son. Um, kind of ties in to what our sermon will be this uh, morning in our worship hour uh, as well. But the introduction in your book uh, starts out, God created man to do what? Learn. And not only did he created us to learn, but he, does, he, he what does the book say? He expects us to. There's an expectation there, isn't there? Um, how, how do we learn? <clears throat> Through what? Study, example, uh, and teaching, there's always different styles of learning. Uh, in a classroom, as a teacher may teach, she may have children who learn through seeing, hearing, uh, feeling, putting their hands on it, uh, hands on. Uh, probably if you've got more than one child, you'll see different ways of learning uh, through each child. 
and how they learn and how they retain things. Same thing spiritually. We can learn by study. And that's why that's why Bible study is important, isn't it? This this very hour we're in right now. Why are we here? To study and to learn, to hear it, to hear examples or to hear things, you know, uh, that pertain to God. You know, every time we come together, we're here to worship, but we're here to study and learn. So where does one learn? In the presence of God, in the presence of his people, on their own. Uh, at home, there should be study. Why do we have our class on Sunday afternoons for our children? So they can what? Learn. learn. We want them to learn early. And so, so again, God expects us to learn. He expects us to take advantage of every opportunity that you and I have. Now, to learn and to study, as we're going to see this morning, it takes what? Effort. effort. It takes effort. Uh, if you study or learn or, you, or you're uh, going to pass a test, many of you have professions that you have to take tests on a regular basis or ever so many years. I have to go and be recertified a lot of times and have to take tests. Well, what do you do? Do you just wait till that day and say, okay, I'm going to wing it right here? I hope you don't. You get prepared. You start the night before. That's not a good thing to do. <laughs> Some people might. A week before, two weeks before. No, it's over, generally over a long period of time, we prepare ourselves to meet that test. To meet that, uh, and we could say another word for test would be uh, to measure us, if you will. That's what a test is. To measure our ability. To measure what we know or understand or whatever the case may be. One day, spiritually, there's going to be a what? There's going to be a test. There's going to be a measuring, isn't there? And I guess the question we have to ask ourselves this morning when it comes to these reminders and warnings how will we measure up today? And how are we going to measure up the day when the Lord returns? Because Peter talks about that, doesn't he? talks about when the Lord returns and the, the elements are, are burned and, and, and uh, melted away and uh, fire and, and all these things. That, that day's coming. That we're going to be measured up. We're going to measure up to something. The standard of God, if you will. So Peter writes here, and he even refers back in the introduction here, as we see in the introduction of the book does, to Moses and the Israelites. Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the judgments which I speak in your hearing today, that you may learn them and be careful to observe them. That still applies today, doesn't it? That we are careful to observe what we have learned or what we have studied or what we know to do now the book goes on with not only the capacity to learn but the intellectual acuity to respond appropriately to what we learn. Psalms 119 verse 7. Psalmist writes, I'll praise you with uprightness of heart when I what? 
Learn your righteous judgments. Our Lord, Matthew eleven twenty nine, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And he gives a little bit of characteristics there. So the ability to learn, the book points out, is a what? A blessing. Uh, and it should not be taken for granted. Now, how many of us would look back and years ago when we was in school and wish we'd have took school a little more serious? Anybody? Yeah, I would. I wish I'd have took it more serious. Um, I was on the bus the other day with some kids and I told them it was the best years of their life. And uh, I, told them I, I told them I was just going to drop them off at the high school. I said, this is the best years of your life. And one of them thought I said, last year's. I said, no, not last year. I said, if I, if I, said, if I was dropping you off at the nursing home, that'd be the last year's of your life. Uh, they got a big kick out of that. Um, but, but again, uh, recognizing what a blessing that is to learn, having the ability to learn. Um, and then the, the, the book points out, uh, if we have the ability to learn, we also have the ability to forget. Um, Although we want some things to be forgotten. Hebrews 8 12. Uh, God's people must not forget what he has done for them. Hebrews 8 and 12 says, I will be merciful unto their unrighteousness and their sins and iniquities. Remember, I remember them no more. Um, so again, this was uh, emphasized. I remember years ago, a company I worked with. Uh, sent us to college classes to learn to speak Spanish. And that was quite an undertaking for me. Uh, an old country boy trying, I couldn't speak English very well, Wayne. Uh, and they wanted me to go learn another, another uh, language. And, but I, I got really interested in it. It was really, it was really neat uh, to see how, how a lot of it corresponded. And actually Spanish is one of the easier languages to learn because every word has just basically one meaning and English words don't. Uh, but again, as long as I used it, I remembered it. Now, I just remember a few of the things that uh, my daughter's actually taking Spanish this year and she's like, hey, what does this mean? And, uh, and I was working for a chicken plant. I said, unless it has the parts of a chicken, I don't know. I said, I remember the parts of a chicken. <laughs> uh, and a few other things. But if you don't use it, you actually lose, lose it. Um, you know, it, you go on to the next page in, in the introduction there. That, this concept was, was emphasized to the children of Israel. Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 14. Uh, you know... It makes a reference in that scripture. It says, teach it to your sons' sons. So what is that? They had a duty to do what? Yeah, pass it on down. Pass it on down. Why do we have Bible studies for our little children this morning? Because we want them to learn about God. We want to pass it down, don't we? Why is it so important? I heard a sermon one time entitled, and if I remember how it went, but uh as your Bible study hour is, so the church goes. 
So if your Bible study, your Bible study hour, your Bible classes in your church, if they're low and there's not a lot of emphasis put on them, a lot of people don't attend and, and things like that, that's the direction your church is going. And, and you, you look at Bible study a lot of times across the brotherhood, and that's a less emphasis. Uh, churches have even tried uh, to have worship first and then Bible study later. There's some who do that. You know why they did that? It's try to encourage more people to be part of Bible study. Um, so, uh, again, I think that's an important thing for us uh, as we study this morning, those reminders and, and warnings. Um, so, again, we're told in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26, the same uh, thing in remembrance of me, our Lord said, do the things, when we, the Lord's Supper, and, and uh, all the things spiritually we're to do in remembrance. You know, we're going to remember this morning our, uh, in the worship hour. Uh, what the Lord did in that death and, and uh, his body and his blood. He says, remember those things because they're important. When we remember those things, it helps us to do what? Stay what? Stay focused. When we remember those things, it helps us to, it helps us to stay focused. You know, a lot of our kids will wear the WWJD things, uh, bracelets, you know. And, and some of them have told me through the years, says, when, when I'm faced with different uh, issues, I look down at that and it helps me remember what would, what would Christ do? What would Jesus do? Uh, and I think it's important that we have things like that. Um, throughout your home, you may have Bible verses in various places. Um, you know, whether in the kitchen, give us Lord, give us day uh, our daily bread or whatever, whatever it is. You got Bible verses probably throughout your whole house. Um, I know in our home we have them in living room, got them in the kitchen, got them in the bathroom. Uh, everywhere we go, we see a Bible verse. So what does that do? Helps us to remain focused. Remember. Um, so I think those things are, are important. Second uh, Peter talks about in the introduction there, reminding his audience of certain things. He said that um, in chapter 1, 12, and 13, this, for this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. Um, he says, as long as I'm in this tent, he says, I'm going to stir up uh, you by reminding you. Peter also wrote um, chapter 3 and verses 1 and 2, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you're mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So Peter wanted his audience then and even today to both learn, obey the truth, and again, we must do no less as the introduction closes there. So he talks about reminder in the next section, chapter 3 and verses 1 through 4. Uh, Peter was very careful that he did not convey a what? A new truth. He wanted to encourage, strengthen, and remind what had already been. And that's another essence of, say, of Wes saying that the truth never, never what? 
never changes. You know, uh, the truth never changes. What he had taught them, what he had reminded them of, and what he had shown them through by example had not changed. That's why it's called a reminder, I guess we could say. Uh, remind you of the things that have not changed. Uh, they were struggling with persecution, as we've noted many times, and they needed to be encouraged and reminding them of the living hope. Uh, the hope they possessed where? That's right. Resurrection of our Lord. Uh, to remember that. They wanted to remind them of their hope and it rested fully upon the grace that would be brought to them at the revelation of our, our Lord. Peter's letters emphasize the need to live in an appropriate manner. Um, chapter 4, verse 1 through 3 says, Not as you once were. You know, they were all in, in numerous places we've seen through Scripture where they were described as murderers and uh, fornicators, adulterers, all these things were named. And he says, not as you once were, but to live in that appropriate manner, worthy to be called what? A Christian. You know, that's... that's uh, that, that's something we need today, don't we? To live or con conduct our lives in a worthy manner. Uh, to be able to live up to that Christianity. Peter stressed the need to remain faithful to God. But if you're going to be reminded and you're going to have that conduct, you've got to be faithful to God and obey what His revealed plan is. Um, abstain from those fleshly lusts. 1 Peter uh, 1, you know, that's what gets us in trouble every time, isn't it? Our fleshly lust. Things that we want to do. Things that make us feel good. Things that uh, help us, our fleshly side, uh, if you will, uh, feel good and, and uh, be a part of, of things that's often that we shouldn't be. Uh, so at the beginning of 2 Peter 3, he, uh, the apostle of the book says here, emphasizes what he wished to accomplish with his letters. Stir up his readers by the way of a reminder. What do you think it meant there to stir up? <clears throat> Motivate. Motivate. Yeah. Motivate them. Uh, get their minds to thinking that when their minds are thinking and changing, maybe their ways are changing. Uh, he said, I'm going to stir you up. And he says, be mindful of the words which were spoken before. He reminds them of what? What does the scripture say? By spoken, spoken by what? The holy prophets, ones that came before and the apostles. Uh, he goes back and he says, you need to be reminded of things of old as well. Does that apply today? Sure it does. That's exactly right. Old Testament is very, very important to our learning today and to our way of life today. It gives us a snapshot or a picture of how God dealt with his people and God has not changed from the way he dealt with his people then than he has now. 
Uh, he still loves them, cares for them. He still disciplines them. Uh, and, that, and that's written for our, our learning. Um, so he, Peter's saying, he said, he intended for these, these things in his letters to stir them up, to remind them of those things, the commandments that were placed on them at this point. And anyway, the book goes on out and says, in other words, he called upon them to what? Dedicate themselves. He says, you need to be dedicated. And you need to make sure you're following the authority of God and his written commandments and his ways. And he goes on, the book writes and says, these are important because of the of the false doctrines that were being put out there and taught at that time. Uh, you can look there at one of the commentators he writes there to stimulate their thinking so they could recall those things and not be caught up with those ideas that are brought on by false teachers. And he appeals to the old prophets and to the apostles and their, their teachings as well. goes on to the bottom of the page, revealing the false doctrine that would be promoted concerning the second coming. Uh, and he writes there, he says, Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, Where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, basically said, Nothing has what? Nothing's changed from the beginning of creation. And he kind of gives you a description there of the scoffers and the mockers. Describe uh, them in detail in 2 Peter 2. Last days is referring to the Christian dispensation. Um, Hebrews 1 and 1 through 2, uh, not the end of time. The false teachers were questioning whether the Lord will return. Now notice what Woods says here. He says, the question these mockers raised may have implied this. The return of Christ has been widely predicted and confidently expected. The fathers with anxious anticipation awaited it. They lived to an old age and in the natural order of events died without its realization. Since their departure, all things continue as before. Since they were disappointed in his coming, why should we with no better basis of hope, expect it. And then he closes that section out and says, regardless their line of reasoning was faulty, things had not always been the same. So they you know, were saying, well, where is this coming that you speak about? Well, it's like today. Lord still hasn't came back, has he? Things still the same? From the very beginning, no, they're not. Things have changed. We're in that Christian dispensation. We are in the last days. Um, men have tried to predict when our Lord was coming back. Um, many will take scripture out of the New Testament at the destruction of Jerusalem and try to say, well, these are days, all this confusion with this and that, or saying that the Lord's day is going to come. You know, no man shall know or does know. Uh, we know that. And uh, 
So anyway, those false teachers were promoting those things through that basis of concept that nothing had changed. Uh, and they spoke of the fathers before going, dying, not seeing it. So the second section there says forgetting. So we've, we, we've looked at a, a reminder, but now let's talk about forgetting those things. Uh, Peter responded to the scoffers in the event that uh, disproved their argument, the global flood, he speaks of that. He says, For this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water in which by the world that uh, then existed perished being flooded with water. So no one could rightly claim all things continued as they were from the beginning of creation because of what event? The flood. Yeah. The world was destroyed in the flood of Noah's day. And it was not true. God had destroyed the world previously and he would destroy it again when Jesus returned. One commentator writes, God who made the world also has the power to destroy it. The scoffers of Peter's day saw God's creation but refused to recognize the creator and his authority. The message Peter leaves for the scoffers is direct. As God destroyed the world with a flood, so he will destroy heaven and earth with fire. And he speaks to that, Second uh, Peter 3 and verse 7. The heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What's that part there? The heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word. What's that in reference to? Preserved meaning what? Kept. And who do we say they're preserved by the same word? I take it as God's word, right? Anybody else got a thought on that? He has the, he has the word. He has the ability to speak it into existence. He has the ability to do what? Destroy it. Uh, that day is preserved. What is that day preserved for? Judgment, ungodly men, perdition it says there. Um, so after the flood, God promised never to destroy the world again. What? With water. Genesis 8, 21, 9, 11. Instead, the next judgment on the world will be what? Fire, 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8. And the fire was reserved for the ungodly. One commentator, Warden, writes here, says, Not all people will be judged by fire, only the wicked. The day of judgment by fire will be for the destruction of ungodly men. Among the ungodly men, no doubt, will be the false teachers who were demanding. Where is the promise of his coming? The same day that would be for the destruction of the ungodly will be a day of deliverance and salvation for those who are looking for and hastening to the coming of the day. Um, so that fire is reserved for the ungodly. Um, this world will be destroyed, everything in it. Because when you read through our passage this morning, you go on down to the next couple of verses or so there, he says, knowing these things, what manner, what? Life or persons should we be? 
if we know these things are going to come into existence and we have faith and we believe that God created the world, that he destroyed it with the flood and we, our faith is strong and, and we know that that day is coming. You know, it's just like, uh, you know, being sick and knowing that the day or, or whatever the case is, that that sickness is going to overtake you. You know, it, it puts you in a different frame of mind, doesn't it? And it should put us in a frame of mind knowing that, the, you know, destruction, the day of judgment is coming and our manner of life should be living, that is, if we are in our what? Last days. And, of course, we are, aren't we? And uh, the anticipation of our Lord returning uh, should be there. And we should be rest while we, that's why we preach and teach. Be ready at all times. Don't, don't slack. Don't, uh, because if you do, you just may get caught in that moment of sin. And, you know, we know no sin can go to heaven that's unrepented of. Not repented of. Um, so I think that's a, a great lesson for us and, and not to forget those things. Uh, judgment will certainly take place, he says. Next section, do not forget. 2 Peter 3, 8 through 10, discussing the doctrine of the false teachers. Peter addressed them directly. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that the Lord... That with the Lord, one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. In other words, God does not operate what? On our schedule. You know, uh, all these years is just a matter of a second with God, we could say. <laughs> you know, we're like, boy, I've lived 70 or 80 years. That's been a long time. Or, you know, boy, it's been a long time since this. So that's just a mere second or a fraction of time, if you will, uh, with God. So uh, one commentator writes, the fundamental thought here is that people given their limited perspective cannot possibly understand God's timetable. What seems to be an eternity to us is only a brief moment to an eternal God. And it speaks there, the decades seem to the, several decades seem to the early Christians a very long time to wait for the return of our Lord. But in fact, Peter implies this may be a very short time in God's perspective. They added, it is, it is possible that Peter means that God delays too long uh, in the eyes of some and that God acts too quickly in the eyes of others. But regardless, the book says to us, the delay in the return of Jesus is not ours to question. What does it say? God is in control. The delay in our Lord's return in no way means God will fail to keep his promises. God sent Jesus to the earth at the appropriate time. In Galatians 4 and 5, 4 through 5, it says, In the what? Fullness of time? That's when he sent him to earth. And he'll send him back at the perfect time, at the time he desires, when things are where they need to be. Uh, God's delay in sending Jesus affords man an opportunity to turn to him in repentance. And Peter speaks to that. He said, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness, but in long suffering toward us 
Not willing that what? Any should perish. But he calls all men to repent. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. I've said before, if one, if one ends up and lives eternally in hell, it will be because of his own choosing, not because God sent him there. God did not create hell for mankind. Devils and his angels, that's right. Uh, so I think that's something that we have to, to keep in mind as well. And don't forget, every day that goes by before our Lord's return is a day that individuals what? They can obey the truth. They can find the truth and make their lives right in God's sight. And his willingness to bear with us is not a sign of indifference. It is a demonstration of his love. And we should not conclude the Lord will not return because he has not yet done so. We should look at the delay as an opportunity to serve God and share the gospel with others. Now the book closes here with the thought that when God sees fit, our Lord will return. And he describes that in that in passage there, doesn't he? Uh, 2 Peter 3 and 10 says, The day of the Lord will come, what? Thief in the night. The heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works that are in will be burned up. In Matthew 24 and 36, not even the angels in heaven know when that day is. It will occur at a time that we do not even expect or predict. Wayne Jackson speaks to that as well in his commentary there, that we don't expect it or even predict it. When you don't even expect it. It's kind of like um, that uh, sometimes we have fender benders. We don't sit out in the morning, do we, to have a fender bender, do we? <laughs> it just seems like it comes when we don't even expect it. Boom, there it is. Just kind of like that state trooper sitting on the highway this morning when I was coming to, <laughs> coming to Bible study. Turned the curve, didn't even expect him. I was doing the speed limit, though. Them other guys, though, they wasn't. They patched me. But don't even expect it. Applications. We all need reminders, don't we? The older we get, we talked about that Wednesday night, didn't we? The older we get, we need to be what? Reminded. Because often things fail, don't we? Uh, my wife just bought a big old board and hung it on our door. And she On Saturday, she writes down everything, everywhere we're going <laughs> and what time we're supposed to be there. You know why we do that? It's not just because we want to spend time writing on a board. <laughs> Because we need reminders now um, where we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. When we come together each Sunday and take the Lord's Supper, we're reminded of what our Lord did for us when he died on the cross. When we sing praises to God, we're reminded that he is worthy of our praise. When we give, we're reminded of how we have been blessed and of the important work the church has to do. When we pray, 
We're reminded of God's sovereignty and compassion when we study God's word. We're reminded of how we should live. That's why study is important. These are all reminders we desperately need. No wonder Peter wanted to remind his audience to heed the words of the holy prophets and the apostles. And then speaking to the return of the Lord, every day provides an opportunity for individuals to make their lives right because we do not know when the Lord will return. We must be ready. Our Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, 2 Peter 3, 9. Remember Paul told Timothy that God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, 1 Peter 2, and verse 4. And we must obey while we have the opportunity, 3 Corinthians 6. We've answered the questions. Um, we won't go over those, so let's end with a prayer uh, this morning. Father in heaven, we're thankful for the good night's rest you've given us to lay our heads down, to rest our minds, to rest our bodies in preparation for the Lord's day. The day we come into your presence, that we're able to worship, and we pray, Lord, that our worship will be in spirit and in truth. We pray that we can say it's been good to be here. Father, be with all who need our prayers this morning in any way. Bless our congregation of people. Help our shut-ins to have good days and our sick to see better days. And God, we're thankful. And our Father, we're thankful for your Son and his sacrifice for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>